Good morning, ENC. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Good morning, ENC. It's good to be back here. And um, I didn't recognize the person she was introducing except for the diaper part. That I recognize. It's, it's a, a bit of a challenge to give a lecture in a chapel. It's kind of a hybrid exercise. Because often, not always, but often, uh, people associate preaching and lectureship as two modalities of communication. So what I'm going to try to do is be honest to myself and embrace my hybridity, my mestizaje, my inclusiveness, my confusion, my multiple identities uh, as I try to do this. And I was raised Pentecostal. Anybody Pentecostal in the room? Yep, you would answer with a woo. guy in the third row really enjoyed that. I was raised Pentecostal, and I, my father is a Pentecostal minister, and as is my mother. Uh, I was trained, reformed in Wesleyan, and my doctoral work is in liberation theology. So I'm either thoroughly confused or thoroughly integrated, and I really embrace these multiple influences in my life and try to integrate them in ways that make sense for who I think God is calling me to be. So I, I try to reflect that this morning. If you have a Bible with you, go with me to Isaiah, the 58th chapter. I'm going to talk a few minutes today and hopefully on Friday. And if you join me at Monroe Parlor for free food, even if not to hear me, uh, about hybrid, hybrid holiness. Hybrid holiness. While you're looking in Isaiah 58, I want to... Uh, define hybridity for you. For me, hybridity, another word, anybody have a, a dog that's a mutt? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, that's a, that's a hybrid. That's a hybrid. A hybrid, anybody have a hybrid car? They're a little expensive. Uh, i got to talk to the ecology department about that. Uh, hybrid, when you're talking about species or when you're talking about genres, really is the integration of multiple identities. If you were Latino or Latina, you would call yourself a mestizo or mulato, and in history these had negative connotations, but I'm looking to redeem these things. I, I embrace my hybridity. Let me explain what I mean. I'm Jersey Rican. Yeah. Yeah. Let me explain what that means for those of you who were not raised in New Jersey or Puerto Rican heritage. To be Jersey Rican means that I am a Puerto Rican parent. So, hablo español, eh, respeto el español, admiro el español, reconozco que Dios es Latino. I speak Spanish, I recognize Spanish, I recognize that God is Latino. I recognize that. <laughs> For who else would name their son Jesus but a Latino God? <laughs> think about it, think about it. I am a Puerto Rican parent, but I was born in the great state of New Jersey. And contrary to popular belief, it is not a suburb of New York. And those, both those things inform who I am. So when I'm talking about holiness, I'm talking about hybrid holiness. And if I want you to remember one thing that I speak about today is this. This is my message for you today. This is my thesis, and I'm going to stick to it as best I can. 
You do not have to choose. I'll explain that later. You do not have to choose. That's my message for you today. Hybrid holiness. You do not have to choose. What's my message to you today? Good. Listen to the word of God in Isaiah 58. Verses 3. I'm, I'm cognizant that in the Christian calendar, it is Lent. Anybody know? Lent, celebrating Lent, right? And in Lent, it's often the tradition that you give up something. I told my wife, I'm giving up, giving up soda for Lent. <laughs> I really am. I heard a pastor friend of mine say recently that uh, during Lent, perhaps we should not give up something, but we should take something off. Cognizant that it's Lent and that I'm here to speak about cosmopolitan or hybrid holiness or holiness in contemporary society, I want you to hear the prophet Isaiah with fresh ears. Why have you fasted, they say, and why have you refused to see it? Why is it that we humble ourselves and no one has noticed? Why is it that we proclaim, this is the Gabriel Salguero translation, why is it that we proclaim holiness but nobody cares? Because on the day of our fasting, we do as we please. We exploit workers. Our fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. When we fast and when we proclaim holiness, as you do today, we expect our voices to be heard on high, but they're not heard. Nobody is listening. Holiness has ended up in irrelevance, or worse, hated. Is this the kind of fast and holiness that we should choose for a person to humble herself or himself? Is holiness and fasting, which is a discipline of holiness, only bowing your head like a reed and lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this what we call fasting and holiness today? Is this what's acceptable to God? Is this is not the kind of fasting that God would have chosen. God would have chosen a fasting that looses the chains of injustice that unties the cords of the yoke. God's fasting and understanding of holiness sets the oppressed free and breaks every yoke. God's fasting is for us to share our food with the hungry and to provide the undocumented immigrant, I'm sorry, the poor wanderer with shelter. That when we see the naked, we clothe her or him. And not to turn away from our own flesh and blood, for we are all family. And if we embrace this understanding of fasting in holiness, then our light will break forth like the dawn. And then our healing will manifest itself quickly. And then our righteousness will go before us. And God's glory will be our rear guard. If this is our understanding of holiness, then we will call on the name of the Lord and the Lord will answer and we will cry for help and God will say, Here am I. 
I want to tell you that I am starting a new group. The name of the group is called Hopeful Nazarenes. What's the name of the group? But if you're not Nazarene, it's okay. We have affiliates in other denominations. Hopeful Baptists, Hopeful Pentecostals, Hopeful non-denominational, you know, the new denomination called non-denominationalism. Within, I don't belong to any denomination. I belong to the denomination called non-denominational. I'm starting this group called, what's the name of the group I'm starting? I'm starting this group called Hopeful Nazarenes. Registration will be in the back. Because I think that too many people have bought into the myth that these are the worst times of all time. Everybody, let me take that back. A lot of people suffer from generationalism. They feel that when they were young, those were the best days. When you get older, you might be bitten by that bug. When I was young, I remember when. I want to tell you that every generation has its good moments and has its challenges. In the words of Charles Dickens, it's always the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. We have our highs and we have our lows simultaneously. We call that life. <laughs> when you get married, you will have a deeper understanding, an existential ontological. When you have children, you will understand. <laughs> that is, there's always challenges and promise. That every generation has its challenge and every generation has its promise. And in the midst of this kind of myth, in the midst of this kind of narrative, comes this sub-narrative which means this generation doesn't understand holiness. You just don't get it. You don't have a deep philosophical, experiential, pragmatic, utilitarian, I mean pragmatic understanding of holiness. We're always telling younger people, you don't get it. But I'm a hopeful Nazarene. I think you do get it. And what I think you're saying to us as I travel through colleges throughout the country and beyond, what I think I hear you saying, and when we talk at Monroe Parlor this week, I want to hear from you. I don't want to talk to you, I want to hear from you. Because holiness is a deeply listening exercise. What I think I hear you saying is, if we define holiness in a bipolar, dichotomous, dualistic understanding, what does that mean? In a kind of spiritual schizophrenia, we don't want anything to do with it. What I think I hear you saying is, we want complete holiness. We want hybrid holiness. Anybody in biology? In biology? I know you have a famous biology teacher here. Well, you know that in, in, this, uh, in one understanding of evolutionary pro processes, there's something called survival of the fittest. Yes? Survival of the fittest. And how is it that these genres, that these... Uh, I'm not a biologist, I'm just a preacher from New York City. But, so correct my biology, but don't miss my point. That certain species survive because they have the ability to adapt. They not only have the ability to adapt, 
they, I don't know, intermarry, they, they mix, they, they engage in hybridity, mestizaje, mulates, right? That's why sometimes muds are better than pure breeds. Because they have the ability to survive in certain contexts. They don't need such high maintenance. My apologies to the dog show. What I'm telling you is that I hear you and, and leaders hear you that you want to embrace hybrid holiness, mestizo holiness, cosmopolitan holiness, holistic holiness. What does that mean? You refuse to choose because it is a false choice to say that holiness is only praying, fasting, and the spiritual disciplines. Let me be clear. It is that. But it is not only that. Holiness is personal integrity. Holiness is sexual integrity. Holiness is the ability to live with Christ-like character. It is to be like Christ. It has a personal dimension. It has a vertical dimension and it has a horizontal dimension. Although I am young, I do not run away from the concept of holiness. Rather, I embrace it and I seek to redeem it. Let me just say, the H word is not a bad word. Holiness is a good word because it implies wholeness. It implies, in, in psychological terms, homeostasis. In spiritual terms, it implies integrity of mind, heart, body, relationships. So I embrace this dimension. When Isaiah says, you should fast, you should withhold from certain things. When Isaiah begins to speak about the personal integrity dimensions, character dimensions of holiness, me, I'm a little bit over 30 and a little under 40. I'm a generation Xer. I'm an Xer. And most of you are probably what? Millennials or IYs. There's some boomers out there. I've seen you. <laughs> what I am saying to you all as an Xer is, I don't run away from that because the Xers are called the bridge generation between the boomers and the busters and the millennials. As a bridge, I say, hey, look, we need to, we need to hold on to that. Because if there's no personal integrity, our marriages will be jacked up, our schools will be jacked up, you know, the theological term for jacked up. Existential angst, crises, weiji, right? But there's another dimension that I think Isaiah knew that the, some people were missing. There's this whole social dimension. Wesley said it like this, and I'm paraphrasing, not quoting. There is no holiness if there's no social holiness. What does it matter if you have personal piety but you're still a racist? If you pray and fast and you're still a sexist? If you pray and fast and you're captive to avarice and greed and you need every new toy because materialism has become your idol? Every new toy, you know, I, I'm guilty. Guilty. What does it matter if you come to the altar and you fast and pray and sing the right songs, but you don't follow the second great commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself? And we don't care about issues of poverty. 
Isaiah says, we want our holiness to be listened to, but nobody cares because we don't share our bread, our bread with the poor. We want people to follow the way of holiness. Isaiah ends by saying, and you shall be called the repairers of the breach and the restorers of paths to dwell in. I want to tell you prophetically, I'm going to sing a prophetic song for you. I believe that you are the future. If we teach you well, we'll let you lead the way. We'll show you all the beauty you possess inside. Except for that guy in the third row. <laughs> if we get this, guys, if we really integrate, if we become hybrid holy people, if we get the vertical and the horizontal, then people might actually catch on to this revival. People might actually care. We might actually have a cybernetic revival, a technological revival, a scientific revival, an ecological revival, a relational revival, a gender revival, a power revival. If we actually get this. I think it was a question that the conversation that Jesus had with Nick at night, Nicodemus in John chapter 3. When, when Nick said to him, Jesus, I've been holy my whole life. And Jesus said to him, ah, you're missing part of it. Because unless you're born from on high, another translation says, unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. He's not talking about a place. He's talking about a way of being in the world. People can't see the kingdom because we haven't been born again and we haven't integrated it. We haven't had a hybrid holiness that has social and personal dimensions. It is who we have always been from Wesley to Brazil. It's who the Baptists at their best have been. It is who the Pentecostal storefront churches have been at their best. It is who the Methodists have been at their best. It is who the Episcopalians have been at their best. It is who the Roman Catholics have been at their best. They have had a real understanding that to be holy is to have two dimensions fused together. Then, people will run to this type of Christianity. Somebody sent me an, an email about, that said this phrase. It, it, was, it was a diatribe against evangelicals, which, which I took personally because I self-identify as an evangelical. The, the article, the blog was, Why do evangelicals hate Jesus? You know, and, and you know, as blogs go, they, they simplify arguments because you only have about 500 words to, 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 to nuance something and, and you, you can't do it usually in 500 words. And he says, most people think evangelicals hate Jesus because, because they talk about family values, but, but they abuse their families. Or, or, or they don't care about poor people. And poverty impacts families more than anything else. And although I thought it was a straw adversary of evangelicals, I thought it was a cheap shot. I thought it was uninformed, at, at best underinformed. I get it. I hear you. Hey, I hear you. You in the back over there by the sound room. I hear you. If you're going to speak about holiness, Pastor Salguero, speak about integrated holiness. 
speak about being changed by God's presence personally, but also allowing God's presence to use me to change the world. Pastor Sargetto, if, you, if you're going to have lecture series on holiness, give me the whole thing. Don't ration the meal. Is this the fast that I would have declared? That you just come to church on Sunday, worship, plug in your religious clock, but not care about the poor, the hungry, the widow, the orphan, the stranger. Hey, I, I hear you. I'm tired of unidimensional holiness. Goodness, we stopped watching black and white television years ago. We're already in high definition 3D and 4D. But our preaching hasn't moved from the radio. We're not even in black and white television. It's a metaphor, not a literal saying, okay? I'm being metaphoric. Don't misquote me. That was a metaphor for something. Which means this. You, biology, engineer, you, education major, you, psych major, your understanding of the human psyche, whether you study Freud, Jung, Viktor Frankl, your understanding of philosophies, whether you embrace the dialectic of Hegel, the empiricism of Hume and others, Heidegger, all of these are holiness endeavors. All of these are to bring Christ-likeness into the world. All of these is for our light to shine like the new day so that we can be repairers of the breach and restorers of walls to dwell in. You know why I'm passionate about holiness? I'm passionate about holiness because it changed my life. I'm the son of a former homeless man who was a junkie. All those titles, working at Princeton, and those are good things, and I worked hard for them. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would have nothing. For what do we have except what we've received from God's hands? My dad was a homeless man who was arrested by God's spirit through a holiness woman who was probably in, I don't know, 50s, 60s, I don't know how old she was, who told her, who sang a song that goes, Jesus, break the chains. Let me tell you this. Either this message works or we're wasting our time. Either the gospel of holiness can transform individuals or societies like Wilberforce and Wesley. You know that when Wesley did a sermon, he'd make an altar call for personal repentance and right when you left the altar, you'd have to sign up for the abolition movement. He got it. He got it. He understood it. Hey, you can't say you have holiness if you belong to a church and sing beautiful worship songs. But you think people in your family can't marry a person of color. Or you think that poor people are poor just because they deserve it. No, no. That's not what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, this is not the fast for the holiness that God would want. But that you break the bread with the poor. You take off the yoke of oppression. That because you have been transformed, because you have been redeemed, you would redeem others. So, I'm taking a survey today, and I refuse 
to join groups of hopelessness. Because holiness is hope. And I will build a way called the way of holiness. And whosoever walks in it, he or she will not stumble. Holiness is not a burden, it's a bridge. Holiness is not legalism. It's not about, hey, what you can and cannot do. It's about who you are and acting in certain ways because you are God. So, if you want to join me, what's the name of that group? Hopeful Nazarenes. Because we actually believe this holiness thing, it works. It's Christ-likeness in me so I can shine the light of Christ in the world. Could you pray with me today? So a few years ago while you're praying, this is praying. You just pray. I went to Peru. San Juan de Lurigancho. It's a place, it's a, it's a barrio in Lima. And while I was going to preach, I was sitting in the back of the car praying before I went to the altar. A young man pulled a knife out on me and said, give me all your money. It was not his day because I didn't have any money. It was not my day because he had a knife. And what I told him was this. No matter what you do here today, I want you to know that you are loved by God. Unconditionally loved by God. And if you give Him a chance, He can turn your life around. He can form your character. He can change your destiny. The young man said to me, those are nice words, but I'm hungry. I'm mad, and I want your money. It was then that I understood existentially that the holiness message is not just God will sanctify you. It's that God will entirely sanctify you. The systems that oppress you, the poverty that is a yoke on your neck, entire sanctification is more than just a phrase. It is an understanding that God's Spirit permeates, indeed is poured out over all areas of your life. For either Jesus is Lord of all, or not at all. So, you, happy few, you band of sisters and brothers, would you embrace holiness? Would you hear God call you to personal integrity? and relational integrity and systemic prophetic declaration of action. You, happy few, you band of sisters and brothers, would you become the repairers of the breaches and the restorers of wall to dwell in? Hermanos y hermanas, would you be sanctified entirely in ways to change educational inequity, economic inequity, gender inequity, power inequity, military inequity, 
personal sin, sexual impropriety, pride and arrogance. Hermanos y hermanos, would you choose the fast that God chooses? Would you be entirely sanctified? Lord, I pray that this should not be just another chapel service where we hear words and as soon as we walk out the door, we forget the call of God on our lives and the call of God on this generation for personal integrity and social transformation. We refuse to choose God between false alternatives. We want the whole gospel for the whole world. Would you sanctify us through your spirit? For if your spirit is not in it, they're vain human initiatives. They're me trying to be moral. And holiness is above morality because it is a spirit initiative. Here we are, God. We happy few. We band of sisters and brothers. We say, we will fast. We will Behold, we will be entirely sanctified with the blessing of God the Father, the love of God the Son, and the incredible power of God the Holy Spirit. ENC says, Amen.